2: Welcome to another episode of the Geek Buddies! Hey! Hey! well we recovered from our dc fandom live two and a half Ooh. hour episode uh in time to record this one for you all today uh yeah these are now dropping on wednesday as soon as we record them we drop them right there for people to enjoy uh and uh this is uh, gonna be a fun one we're taking a little bit of a relaxing approach to this one uh okay. encouraged by our uh, fellow geek buddy there michael vogel uh i needed, and a, we're break. Talk I about- needed
0: a break after dc fandom
2: it was a lot <laughs> It was, <laughs> conversation. House, it was a lot the four of us was a lot man you're right <laughs> well,
0: well, yeah, if you haven't of- if you haven't checked it out you should check it out a two-hour breakdown on all things dc on our live episode on sunday night it was a lot of fun but i literally yeah. had sweaty i had sweaty pits after like it was yeah. it was a big conversation
1: so much information just now so much information (laughs) (laughs) good today today i'm
2: right. nice nice nice. just only a light bit as we're recording this though it's almost at 10,000 views that episode so pretty cool and great to see and we had what we had almost 800 people watching or over 800 people watching us live which we've never had on the geek buddy so that was a lot of fun maybe something we can explore in the future when other bigger events big events are happening the three of us getting together maybe with guests maybe kalinowski again and doing a live thing that seemed to flow really really well so thank you you all so much for those of you who are listening or watching us who joined us for that because it was a really a lot of fun uh but anyway uh, let's introduce ourselves i'm john roke i'm a writer producer and ceo of uh outlaw nation here (laughs) i don't know what to say half the time the ceo the ceo
0: part kills me i like like it's vandalay industries over here uh my name is michael vogel i am a (laughs) writer and producer (laughs) of animated tv shows and movies
1: and a seinfeld (laughs) fan this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor and an exporter importer. I'm focusing more on the exporter where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and the Goldbergs.
2: Oh, uh, you sons of bitches. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> You're all, You're both going to be on the board of directors. So, I mean, I don't know what you're laughing at. Some boy down the road. You're all going to be on the board of directors and kick me out, probably like Steve Jobs. Um. All right. Let's let's get into today. We're gonna to, for those of you who are new. Thank you so much for taking the chance on Geek Buddies. Uh, and if you're downloading us, thank you uh, as well. And you can listen to us on the podcast network. For those of you who watch us on YouTube and want to listen to us later on podcast, you don't want to watch it again. You just listen to us. You can do that on the on the uh, Geek Buddies podcast network. It's up there for you. Just look for the Geek Buddies anywhere you download podcasts. You can download any of our old episodes, the DC fandom episode, whatever you want to list our reviews. If we've done in the past. All of it is up there for you all to consume. Uh, and for those of you who are uh, returning, thank you so much for sticking around and being a part of the Nation of Buddies. Um, uh, as we do things, we each break, we each present one Geek News item, take a little bit of a break for our sponsors on the podcast side. For you on the YouTube side, it'll be about five seconds. And then we jump into our main topic and our main topic today is because of everything that's going on in the world the madness of the world we're going to talk about our favorite comedies that make us laugh make us laugh cry or just pick up our spirits when we're in dark times so that's gonna be a lot of fun uh, to talk about that um and uh, w- what else do we have to say gentlemen
0: uh what else do we have to say i mean like let's uh let's get geeky let's do this thing I guess we're ready to go who's first let's do it let's do it i am first (laughs) uh so after uh after all of our talk of uh uh, of heroes and capes and all things dc we decided to kick things off jumping back over to a galaxy far far away which we have not talked about in a hot second Uh no big, big news yep. in the Star Wars universe, but Kathleen Kennedy did do an interview with the rap this week uh mm-hmm. that kind of focused on the direction for the future of Star Wars. Uh, you know, she kind of said that they uh I'm gonna preface this by saying this is a whole lot of executive speak for we are rethinking <laughs> what to do after Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. But you we'll get to that in a down. second. You break this down, Mikey. I, mean, I, I love I do love care. I I will say that having worked at, you know, having worked at Disney and Sony and Hasbro and the places that I've worked at in the past, uh, it is very interesting when you are having so- these big discussions, especially when you have a thing like a rise of skywalker that is very divisive, that a lot of people are disappointed by, that you, you sit down with PR teams and you kind of like frame up how you're going to talk about stuff and like what you're gonna say. And so whenever you read these, it's always really fun to sort of be like, this is dancing around the topic. But here's what she said. Uh, She called uh, the future of the Star Wars universe an ever-evolving process and acknowledged that television is kind of integral to the future of the franchise. Uh, She said that, you know, her primary focus uh, at Lucasfilm for a very long time was to complete the Skywalker saga, that Lucas had had always talked about these nine movies and she felt it was really important to bring that home and get these nine movies done. And that now that Rise of Skywalker has concluded... Uh, what Lucas had begun. You can have a discussion on that's how Lucas wanted to end it, but that's another thing to discuss. Um, they decided to take a step back and look at yeah. the entire Star Wars universe before deciding how to proceed. Uh, and her, this is a quote from the article from The rap. Stories have been told within this universe over the last 40 odd years. And there's now this realization that this is a mythology that actually spans about 25,000 years when you really start to look at the different stories that have been told, whether it's in books and games. Again, kind of glossing over the fact that up to this point, they kind of dumped all those things and said they weren't canon anymore. Another thing to discuss. Uh, And when it comes to uh, building on the past Star Wars movies, TV novels, comic books, uh, she says the most important aspect is absorbing what Lucas created and then thinking where things might go. Uh, yeah. That's what we've been doing. We've been having a great deal of fun doing it, uh, meeting with lots of different filmmakers and talent. There's so many fans out there and so many filmmakers that have been influenced by Star Wars for so long. It's a fantastic opportunity to get a sense of who wants to be a part of this. So that's what we've been doing. And then she acknowledged, as far as TV goes, that they've already seen evidence of Mandalorian that this is a great home for Star Wars and that it, the ability to be very character-driven with extended storytelling and connected storytelling uh, in the space offers us great opportunities to do that. So that's the gist of it. There's, it's, a, it there's a, it's a big article lots of discussions and lots of things but the gist of it is uh they are taking a beat uh figuring out what to do uh kind of giving a hint that they are going to really kind of tell stories that go over the breadth and width of the star wars universe and doing a lot of tv for a while probably before they jump back into a big movie franchise and what this all really kind of boils down to is rise of skywalker bad mandalorian and clone wars good let's stick with Mandalorian and Clone Wars because we're really, really afraid that we're going to do another movie and fuck it up and we can't fuck it up again. I mean, that's really what it boils down to.
2: Yeah.
1: What what did you guys think? (laughs) I mean, look, I mean, there there is a segment of the Star Wars fandom that really enjoyed The Rise of Skywalker. I mean, I was not one of them, but some people absolutely loved that movie. But you can't mistake the fact that they... Looking back on this trilogy, one, they kind of cut down their turnaround in between movies. They cut it down by a year. And that year is very, very important. Even when you have a plan of where you're going to go, you still want that extra year. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate. But, yeah, I think I'm wondering if, like, the, the book series that they had released a couple months ago about the High Republic. I don't know if that's something that maybe didn't necessarily catch on fire. And it's like, ah, maybe we don't want to go that way. Um, and again, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't read any of the, I haven't read any of those books. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is probably a a good idea to, to step back, take a minute. You have Star Wars for the foreseeable future with the Mandalorian and Obi-Wan and the Cassian Andor series. You have stuff in the pipeline, but yeah, they, they don't, they don't want to mess this up again. And, and, and I think they are that this is sort of admitting like, yeah, we, we, we made some wrong turns with this last trilogy. So we're going to take a second and really kind of look at which direction the films should go.
0: And actually one point of clarification before Johnny talks, uh, they Not only are they taking a beat on the movies, the High Republic book series has also been delayed. The first book doesn't come uh-huh. out until January, actually. So it's supposed to come out this month, and all of the High Republic stuff has been pushed back a little bit, too. So just a point of clarification uh, there. Yeah. I did not know that.
2: Um, I, 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 Michael, you can correct me on this, and I know at times you do, and, and feel free to do so. It's it's
0: honestly my favorite thing to do, so please continue. <laughs>
2: And he's not always right, ladies and gentlemen. 10% of the time, of the time he's not right. So I, I hold on to those 10%. But, um, I'll take that. But uh, I personally feel that this is Kathleen Kennedy getting in front of things early on, playing the long game. And by that, I mean Kathleen Kennedy is leaving in 2021 right now. Her contract extension is up in 2021. I don't have access to any inside sources that tell me she's signed on to something else, or there's been a verbal agreement that she'll continue on past 2021. There's been all these conversations about Feige's movie and Taika Waititi's movie. We had Benny Off and Weiss and they're gone. What's happened with Ryan Johnson's trilogy? All this stuff is in the air and in flux, right? TV though is solidly there in the ground. People are looking forward to Mandalorian Season 2. People were going crazy for the last week because there wasn't a Mandalorian Season 2 trailer. I think wisely they waited until the DC fandom stuff died down, and then they're going to drop it. Um, Also, the the Kenobi series is now reportedly only four episodes. Uh, That's the rumor as well. So you've got changes that are happening here, and then things are being cut or delayed or pushed back. And I believe that it's because I think they are taking a step back to decide if they want to go in a brand new direction. And if they want to go in a brand new direction, it's a great way for everybody to save PR face, for Kathleen Kennedy to say, you know what? We sat around. We talked about it. The direction they want to go in, I don't think I'm the right person to be in charge of the direction they're going to go in. I'm going to step down from my position, my choice, uh, and I wish them all the best. And I will be cheering on from the sidelines. But I think I've done a great job in earning $6 billion for this franchise since we got it from George Lucas. And I'm going to move on to do other things and, and explore other opportunities that are out there for me to work on things. And then they're going to slide in someone, maybe Feige, maybe Filoni. Uh, God forbid, maybe Favreau to take over the, the reins of Kathleen Kennedy and move the uh, franchise forward into the future with these movies. So they have a solid plan. Uh, and I think that's the reason this is all happening. I think Kathleen Kennedy coming out and talking about it uh, is a way for her to control the narrative of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. that that's part of the game here in Hollywood. That's my overall feeling as I read this, because it's such corporate speak. It's such an unnecessary interview to make. uh, And there are things in here that the people who hate Kathleen Kennedy will find to hold on to. Watch, all of a sudden, she doesn't know there's 25,000 years of mythology. There's things that she said that I think People who are already against Kathleen will grab onto and use it as headlines and go after her. And there are other people who, uh, who you know, who are maybe not the happiest of how Star Wars went, saying, "Okay, good. I'm glad they're taking a step back. Good, take a moment, figure it out, give us a plan." Blah blah blah. So I think this is their way of long term, kind of like making a, 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 a rudder, a, changing the rudder and steering the ship in a new direction. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just have that weird vibe about it. I think there's there's some truth to that.
0: I think that I, uh, and maybe I give Kathleen Kennedy the benefit of the doubt too much sometimes. I think she's an amazing executive. I think if you look at her entire career, you look at what she's done. And look, even though, and kind of to Shannon's point, what the discussion here is not Rise of Skywalker was such a bad movie, we need to fix it. Like, I do not like Rise of Skywalker. I know, to Shannon's point, there are Star Wars fans who very much love it. It gives them all the feels. This isn't a rise of skywalker bad this is a admission that whether you liked rise of skywalker or not whether you like last jedi or not like wherever you feel in this any star wars fan has to agree that the response to the new trilogy has been a rocky road yes i think like that's fair like no matter where you fall on this and if you love them if you hate them the response the fan anger about different things, the SJW arguments, like every aspect of this, this was not a smooth ride compared to like, say, the Marvel movies or right. the reaction to some of DC's better movies like Wonder Woman, where you kind of just, you go, we we did this right. Star Wars has been a little bit fractured, a little bit of a mess, a little bit of a... Uh, you know, it was like uh, the the giant uh, movie tent pole version of a game of telephone as far as what the story was. And I think what they're seeing with Filoni, Clone Wars, and Filoni and Favreau working on Mandalorian, which, as we've talked about a lot, is directly tied to Clone Wars, right. is in the TV space, there is a continuity of story that is happening that has not been happening in the movies. Yeah. And they recognize that they get it. So for anybody who's going to say "fuck you, Kathleen Kennedy," what is Disney doing? Whatever, and we can all agree that Disney made mistakes on this. This interview, corporate speak aside, and Kathleen Kennedy getting in front of things with her uh, with her uh, deal coming up aside. Ultimately, this is good because this is them saying we get it. Yeah,
2: we hear and you. We yeah. get it. Yeah,
0: and it's also when she says the thing that she says about. What would George Lucas do? Like, as you're taking a look at everything and like looking at what George, what's George Lucas wanted, and saying, "Well, where, where could we go?" That is literally like what Dave Filoni says every time he's interviewed about Clone Wars. I mean, mm-hmm. it literally is Dave Filoni speak. So I think it also speaks to the fact that what Filoni's sort of vision as sort of the uh, unofficial recipient of George Lucas's seal of approval. Uh, and what he's doing with Favreau and, uh, and, and Deborah Chow and Taika Waititi and everybody in that TV space that they seem to have a better understanding of how to treat the Star Wars universe and the huge mythology that's there. Uh, Because it's in TV that we've seen them take things from stuff that was no longer canon, like Grand Grand Admiral Thrawn, like some of these other aspects and go, oh, we have incorporated that into this new story with new characters that really resonate. So I think that this is an admission that that's the better way to go. And that when you have kind of your point. Benioff and Weiss are kind of out. Ryan Johnson had whatever ideas he had. Taika Waititi is clearly in the mix of what's going on. And Kevin Feige is someone who's going to come over and say, guys, over at Marvel, we've got like a 10-year plan. You guys didn't even have a two-year plan. So we should probably (laughs) do this in a different way. So I think what it means is that what hopefully what we're going to see in the next couple of years in television – and then moving into whatever the next features for Star Wars are is of just a better sense of, like, we know what direction we're going. And it doesn't mean yeah. that directors and writers can't come in and create some surprises, add some new characters, that everyone is going to make their movie their own, just like in the MCU as an example. Um, but what it does mean is that there's going to be a bigger idea I would put my money on Filoni and Favreau as the two of, as two of the ones that are going to be making that idea. But there are, there are bigger plans and bigger ideas
1: creatively that are going to be adhered to in a way that, they weren't in this previous trilogy. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with Filoni as well is this is a guy who started off in animation. He he's now made the transition to, to, to television with a lot, you know, live action. Maybe they are grooming him to take over the movies as well. I mean, it's, it's been this, like he's been taking a step, 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 step. I mean, and looking at the last trilogy, no matter what yeah. you think of the prequels, what you think of the originals, like George Lucas was the guy, like he was, yeah. he was the, he was the voice who was saying, "This is this is where the ship is going to go." And the new trilogy didn't have that. And yeah. I think that's also why the Mandalorian and Clone Wars work so well is you had you had the one voice saying, "This is the direction we're going." And yeah. if they're kind of grooming Filoni and Favro to take over, uh, and especially Filoni because he is—I mean, Favro is the filmmaker and he's the technology guy. Filoni is the Star Wars guy, and yeah. the more he gets comfortable with the technical aspects of live-action filmmaking, all the better. Yeah. yeah. I,
2: I think another thing that speaks volumes to them taking over the situation is how you see they've handled Mandalorian. Michael you make a great point. Obviously, the way they kind of uh, figured out how to do Star Wars correctly for, for a majority of the fans to enjoy and still exist in that time frame that everyone says they want to walk away from. Right? Like uh, where the Mandalorian is set is knee-deep in the original trilogy time. And so they're like okay well we don't uh, the, you know we don't want to see the skywalkers well if you do it like this maybe we do don't we don't mind that time you know what i'm saying and so you got to know how to do these things it's always about how you do things it's not where you go or what you explore or what you do again it's how you do it that always makes the difference i think uh, that's already settled and you made a great point i think the other thing that speaks volumes about Filoni and Favreau going forward is they are open to hiring directors of color, people of color, women, yeah. perspectives. And that is important if we're going to go forward in this new world, this new normal we're trying to create in the post Me Too, post-BLM, post-Hey, we need to wake up and understand diversity is actually more important than we thought it was then they've shown already the groundwork that they are open to hearing from different voices and hearing from different people uh, who've had different Star Wars experiences and seeing their visions of it on the screen. So to me, that also is a positive in their corner that they're already steps ahead in doing that, and it isn't going to look like SJW stuff or they can't be accused of being pressured into doing this. They've already shown a pattern of doing it because they know that this is important and they're getting good work to great work from these directors and producers and actors and writers involved in these projects. So that I think speaks volumes about them as well going forward. And and that's not against Kathleen. I'm sure Kathleen wanted diversity as well as a female executive, but it just seems like that was something that was hung on her a little bit in the past. And I think going forward, David Filoni and DeFavreau, it can be taken away. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um all right. Well we'll see what happens. Obviously we'll keep tabs on it and, and as it goes forward and we'll see if we, I'm totally completely wrong and she signs. We, it may, we may
0: actually keep up with the Star Wars news here on the Geek Buddies. Oh. And as stuff breaks, we might actually
1: talk about it it's uh we'll see we'll see how it goes we'll see how don't it goes tell, i
2: tell jg we'll see uh all right what's <laughs> our next uh, what's our next topic
1: so just this week the trailer for enola holmes hey. dropped for for netflix so enola holmes is it is based off of a book series by an author named nancy springer and it is a it is enola is a character creation of her but it takes everything from the sherlock holmes canon enola is the significantly younger sister Mm-hmm. of sherlock and mycroft and we get this first trailer where millie bobby brown of stranger things fame and uh godzilla king of monsters fame she is the she is our lead character we have henry cavill as an unusually jacked sherlock yeah. holmes <laughs> <laughs> we have sam Claflin, Claver- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> older brother mycroft and we have helena bottom carter as the mom and like the basic story is helena bottom carter disappears enola her brothers want to send her to basically like Boarding school essentially, right. and she decides to kind of forge her own path. Uh, the trailer just dropped. The movie's coming out September twenty third, and the movie is actually directed by what is his name again? It is Harry Bradbeer, mm-hmm. who directed all of the episodes of Fleabag. Oh wow!
2: So, oh.
1: I know. Like I did cool. <laughs> when I, I was looking up. I was like, I wonder who directed this because Netflix films they cut a great trailer. Yeah. Uh, the the final result, the the quality of the final finished product. I have some mixed feelings about with next flip to movies. So I was like, who directed this? Oh my God. It's the guy who did Fleabag. So um, gentlemen, what did we think of this trailer?
2: Well, I will say as an unabashed Anglophile, this was incredible. This was everything I could have wanted. And I was waiting it to, for it to be too young adult, too tween, too cute for its own good. And it wasn't, it actually was damn interesting. I love Millie Bobby Brown, obviously off stranger things great to see helena bonham carter i mean this is an actress that's been working for decades and she always delivers fantastic material henry cavill i mean you know is my number two favorite superman seeing him kicking ass is great and the whole vibe of the of the uh, trailer was i liked it it's it's got mystery to it but it's going to be modernized going to be fun it's going to be cool still set in that time frame but going to feel modern as you go through it so i thoroughly enjoyed it and there's no greater critic of sherlock holmes than my girlfriend and i sent her the trailer before we started doing the show and she texted back get out of here I want to watch it now It has all my favorite British people so she is absolutely on board because she hates the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes she refuses to watch any of them because hers and Sherlock Holmes is is Cumberbatch and uh, anybody who's British basically so she has issues with that the fact she watched this and was in love with it and I think she is the market that they want to go for initially which is of course female fans but then of course people who enjoy this kind of stuff male fans coming forward as well so I thoroughly enjoyed the trailer. I'm excited. I hate that I have to wait to September 23rd and maybe just maybe I might not have to wait till September 24th. If I if I shake the uh, tree, the Netflix tree a little bit harder and get uh, an early screening of this, we shall see. But I look forward to it very much. Mikey?
0: Uh, as opposed to John Roca, I actually love Young Adult, Cute, and Tween. <laughs> they are three of my... I
2: didn't say I hated two, it. Just <laughs> three of me. my...
0: Whereas Johnny was worried that it was going to be too Young Adult, Cute, and Tween... I loved the trailer because I thought it was super young adult, cute, and tween. Like, uh, as someone who loves young adult books, like, I love young adult fiction. I think that's where some of my favorite stories these days are actually being told. Uh, This very much felt like a super awesome – it was, like, Sherlock Holmes – meets Nancy Drew with like uh, with like that fleabag aspect of uh, Enola Holmes talking directly to camera and actually talking to the audience, which I thought was super cool. It kind of like automatically when you watch the trailer and she kind of turns right to you and says, this is where things are going to get interesting. You're like, yeah. you already have that sort of, this is much more stylized. This is sort of having fun with you in that fleabag kind of way. Um, so amazing that that's who directed it. Cause that totally makes sense. Uh, I thought it was great. I thought it, it was, it's, it's such a it's such a fun idea for a story and everybody looks like they're having so much fun mm. uh like even henry cavill who sometimes looks a little stiff to me but
1: uh <laughs> he looked like he was having a blast um so steel. yeah i feel uh... is stiff mike the man of steel is stiff
0: yeah uh... yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I I uh I thoroughly enjoy the trailer. I thoroughly enjoy all the actors in like Helena Bottom Carter could literally like at this like she could just show up and read the phone book and I'd be like, that was some very, very unique reading of a phone book. So she like it's just it's a great cast, it's a great idea for a story. Uh it's potentially a great franchise for them. I yes. mean you know I know it's set up this is set up as a movie, but I feel like this is one of those things that uh and this is to your point, Shannon, something that Netflix hasn't quite gotten yet with uh with all the different kind of movies they have their movies tend to be sort of a one-off like you got a big name you got a big movie let's see how it does you put it out there this is the kind of thing that if everybody loves it having a new enola holmes movie every year on netflix might be like a super great treat so uh i'm definitely looking forward to it and cannot wait to see uh how it is
1: yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a six book series. I don't know how many of those books are being used for the film, but agreed, the trailer was an absolute blast. I love the 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 celebrity skin guitar riff that they yeah. use at the end. I mean, oh, it's actually. definitely it just seems like fun, yeah. and yeah. I think that is something that we could definitely definitely use right now. Yeah.
2: Um, I know I had a third topic for us to talk about, but it might get a little too deep. Uh, so. Can I change uh, directions uh, for you guys real quick, and then we'll jump into I mean, our main topic? Let's do it. I mean, you're the boss, so uh, no, no, I'm you not tell tell us. Us.
1: We, we are uh, the boss. I'm sorry, sir. You are the CEO of Outlaw, <laughs> Outlaw Incorporated. So, yeah, no, we're, not, uh, we're, we're not even on the board yet. We don't. No. <laughs> we don't get a vote. I'm I just work. You. I just work in HR, so.
2: <laughs> Listen, nothing would make me happier than to get to cow- wear cowboy boots and a cowboy hat every day coming into work. <laughs> uh, no, I, I want to make a quick uh, detour because I don't want to say we spent already 25 minutes, 26 minutes on these topics. So I think we've talked them really well. Uh, but uh, there's a, a thing that happened yesterday that uh, um, I saw, and we talk about comedy, talk about fun. Um, we're starting to see the effect of COVID on TV shows, on shows that have been promised seasons. And they're getting canceled. There was a number of them that were announced by Netflix recently that had been approved for next season and was canceled. And I think the one that affected me the most was last night uh, found out uh, out of the blue that I'm sorry from Andrea Savage was canceled, was stopped production. They're done with it. It's officially canceled. It was on True TV initially, and then it got picked up by TBS for the third season. They were going to screen, I think, all the first two seasons, kind of like Netflix is doing with Cobra Kai. They were going to screen the first two seasons leading into the third season. All 10 scripts had been written. They had been shooting 10 weeks, or two weeks, rather, on set uh, before the COVID-19 shut it down, and then last night they all found out that it was completely cancelled. Andrea Savage went on Instagram and released five one-minute videos of her reacting to it in real time, and it was heartbreaking to watch, and you can tell how much she loved making the show. This is one of those comedies that are a little engine that could kind, kind of comedies that when it finds its audience, the audiences are fervent supporters of it. Some great actors have gone through Gary Anthony Williams, uh, Jason Manzoukas. There's so many great actors throughout this thing. Tom Everett Scott plays her husband, and it's a it's from a woman's point of view what it's like to be a mom, to be a comedian, to be a writer, uh, to be a person working in Los Angeles, and it's irreverent, it's funny, it's honest, it's uh, uh, it uh, breaks the uh, taboos. It's uh, Martin Mull is in this, Jane I think Jane Curtin's in this. All of it uh, just all kind of breaks down all these walls that we've seen before, and for a, a voice like a like Andrea Savage's voice to be silenced. Uh, in this show which was a very personal show For her because she's also a writer Comedian and single and and mom of One child uh, It was a shame to see because we don't See a lot of original comedy Happening uh, as A uh, um in the high volumes as we have before. And certainly a uh, women being the lead and writer and executive producer, that's rarely done in comedy. So to have that be kind of canceled because of COVID, I thought was a, was a sad thing to to see because uh, if you guys haven't seen it, for anybody who's listening or watching, go and find, you can go to the true TV app on your phone or on your Roku. And they have free episodes there from the first couple of seasons. You can watch it's one of the funniest comedies I've seen in the last 20 years, and it's just so brilliantly done, and it's a shame that it, there will be no more of it unless some you know, miracle uh, happens and a network comes in and picks it all up because all 10 scripts have been written uh, and they're ready to go. I don't know, but she was very emotional uh, uh, talking about it, and I was just shocked to see that happen.
1: And it was season three that the, the ten scripts had been written. Correct? Yes. Season okay, three. So yeah, the, I believe the first two seasons are all on Netflix. Yeah, um, okay, great. Yeah. Because I watched I watched the first two the other night. Um yeah, Andrea Savage, she I don't necessarily think she is the strongest actor, but right. I think she's very funny. And yeah. like she, she's been around, she's been around for years on um, yep. the casting office that I sometimes help out with. I've read for, read with her many, many times. Wow. And she she is sharp as a tack. I mean, you she know. is super, super quick. The show itself, um, I definitely thought was funny. And I and I'm yeah. and you would be able to speak to this better than I would, John, but I'm hoping that when you are the star, when you are the EP, when you are the writer, you know, yeah. there's you're juggling a lot of balls. Yeah. And so i am wondering if the more she kind of was able to settle into that into that role uh if if her if her performing got better
2: yeah well i mean seinfeld was not no damn thing to write home about and he lasted for six seven seasons he still was yeah. a crap actor by the end of that series so I mean, you know that that to me never seems to be an issue is, when i watch a show that like is that. accurate that is accurate <laughs> what <laughs> you know what is up with acting
1: <laughs> you know yeah, this is I mean, only
2: Gary is so long
1: <laughs> well and we've seen um, and this is not the first time this has happened as well like I know right. there were there were several pilots that were in the middle of shooting uh when when COVID hit and right. a lot of them had to be cut down into basically little scissor rule scissor uh, sizzle yep. reel to be like all right this is this is what we got. Will you will you will you greenlight us or not? And some shows that had been ordered to series are now starting to get those orders canceled. And yeah. it's it's a shame.
2: We we just saw a few days ago Netflix has reversed it reversed its season two renewal for The Society, which was a young adult drama. Michael whose production was impacted. Uh, they also opted not to proceed with a second season of I Am Not Okay with This, which is their coming of age teen series right. that had gotten a lot of press and publicity for how good people uh, how much people liked that show. So it's this is starting to happen now because I think Hollywood senses and what Andrea Savage said in the video. Michael, maybe you can speak on this. She said. It was too expensive for us to shoot it the way we want to shoot it because of all the COVID precautions now. Because they shoot it in her house and they shoot it at restaurants, real restaurants that are actually working and doing things. And so to be unable to follow all the precautions because it's way too expensive to have that thing clean for every scene or every moment, uh, it was way too much. Are you that speaks? uh, That seems to make sense, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we've talked to friends, uh, a lot of our friends who are working in the industry in executive roles at different places, and they've been having phone calls for months now about how do you shoot where they're getting on the phone with uh, with their showrunners and they're saying, okay, cool, like, look, we can shoot, but nobody can kiss and you can't have any sporting events and nobody right. can have full contact on the field and like all of these things that you're just like, well, then that's not really... Like, yeah. what is that then? And so I do think this is where I I haven't watched. Uh, I'm sorry. And I I, I will now. Uh, Dude, you'll love on, it. You'll based love on all it. of this. But what I will say, and I think that this is the reality of it, and this is what's weird, uh, is that as we are all sort of dealing with COVID and still dealing with it and still dealing with things being closed and, you know, like figuring out like, where, where the hell is Tenet playing next week? And can we see it? And should we go see it? And how long of a drive would that be to that feed? Like, like there's all of these things when it comes to entertainment, just like the rest of the world, where as much as certain people and certain politicians are trying to just be like, hey, hey, we're getting back to normal, we're getting back to normal, it's this realization that like we're not going back to normal. Like as we've talked about whether it be Comic-Con or the DC fandom or things like this, or are people going to go to movies or are more things going to go to streaming or are, how are people going to shoot these things? Can you shoot things inexpensively anymore to get a lot of these indie kind of things on these streamers? Or does everything have to be way more expensive now because we have all of these extra precautions? There's a bunch of little tiny things that you might not think about on a daily basis that ultimately are drastically going to change how we interact with entertainment. Uh, and I think that, and entertainment is just one aspect of this. This is going to happen in every single aspect of our lives, Yeah. but yeah. moving forward, as we get into, you know, 2021, 2022, like we're going to be in 2025 and we will still be sitting around and, you know, actually being able to go out and go places and see people and things will be better, but we'll be sitting around and being like, wow, remember before COVID when we used to do this at movies or we huh. used to see this or, you yep. But before COVID, when you had to wait three to five months for a movie to come out, but now we know it's going to come out on streaming in like two weeks. So I'm not going to go see it in the theaters again, because I know that I can just watch it at home. Like there's a thousand different things. And to your point about I'm sorry uh this is the part that sucks is it's these small indie it's those little engine that could shows that are going to get the chopping block first like no one's going to stop making star wars no one's going to stop making marvel movies no one's going to stop like those things are still going to go forward because the money is so big but it's these middle of the level it's these middle level shows it's these shows from really kind of unique voices with unique perspectives that are going to be cut first uh the good news is Because of everything from YouTube to TikTok to everything, I think we're just gonna see a lot of these voices find new ways to tell their stories. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I think that that's, there's always, there's all, as Jeff Goldblum likes to say, life finds a way and uh, comedy and entertainment does too. So we'll still see those things, but I think the way that we see them is gonna be drastically different.
2: Yeah, and who knows if Netflix takes this thing over, too? I mean, like you said, Shannon, they showed the first two seasons. Certainly possible. If all 10 scripts are written already. It really doesn't going to cost that much to put this in motion once the regulations lift. Maybe there's a little bit of time here, a little bit of pause, and then they pick this thing up. As the regulations start to loosen a little bit and it seems safer, maybe they can explore it again. Because, I mean, they picked up Cobra Kai because it was already shot. So maybe this is a, a step, even uh, it's not a step as far because they haven't shot it, but at least the scripts are written, so someone could, or they could step in and somehow save the show. But we shall see. And Mike, you make a, you make the correct point. I mean, it's these shows that are going to get chopped first because they don't yeah. show a high dividend or a high profit just yet. Um, all right, well there you go. And uh, you know, I just wanted to throw that in there, not to bring the thing down. So uh, we're going to pick it all back up again after this break and talk about. Uh, our favorite comedies uh, that make us laugh or pick up our spirits and what have you, and uh, maybe "I'm Sorry" will find its way onto the list. But uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, go and watch "I'm Sorry" uh, and uh, take a little bit of a. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and we're going to jump into our main topic uh, right after, uh, right after, uh, right after this.
1: Do 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 do
2: do. Win me over. <laughs> do 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 do. I'm all I want to be. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I think that's <laughs> the that, lyrics.
1: Uh, oh, that was dynamite.
2: That, that was that was a thing. A walking study in Deuteronomy. No, I don't know what. These all right. I do love that song, though. It's a great song. Celebrity Skin from Hole, uh, a.k.a. Courtney Love. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into our main topic. Michael, you came up with this idea. We loved it. So yeah. please present it.
0: I mean, look. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Like I said, DC fandom wiped me out, y'all. There's a lot of talking. We talked about the Wonder Woman trailer. We talked about Suicide Squad. We talked about the Batman. We had an extended discussion about the Snyder Cut, which led into a discussion about all of Snyder's movies. Yeah. I was exhausted. I needed. I needed a little bit of a geek break, and uh, look, we. We've got hurricanes going on right now. If you're in the path, I hope you're safe. I hope you're staying yeah. safe right now. We've got more protests. We've got more systemic racism. We're in the middle of the Republican National Convention after the Democratic National Convention happened. Like, there yeah. is a lot going on. So rather than diving into any heavy topics, uh, I figured it would be great like, to just take a break and talk about you know, the movies that make us laugh. Like, If you need a little bit of an escape right now, if you are sitting at home and everything is getting to you, and let's be honest, it's 2020, so chances are everything is getting to you right now <laughs> because it's getting to everybody. So- if you need a break and you've already gone through all the new shows, you've binged this, you've binged that. Boys season two isn't coming out for a couple of weeks. Enola Holmes isn't coming out till next month. What can you do? What are the movies that you can revisit that are just going to make you laugh your ass off? And because I personally have seen many of my favorite funny movies with both of these guys, I thought we could just talk about it. Like what are the top funniest movies? Not like, like, like the things that you remember being in the theater and – either laughing so hard it hurt or uh like what like each of you like J- Roka does this sort of like lean forward lean back like roll around in the aisle thing like that's how you know it's really funny shannon shannon sort of applauds at a good joke like, Yes, he does I, the
2: pointing thing too he does
0: i I have i have one of the loudest most distinctive laughs in all of los angeles county so uh so what are the movies that we remember uh those reactions (laughs) happening what are the things that like you're when you think of like your top Mm. funniest like the first time you saw a movie in the theater you (sighs) were dying and then everybody at home you can either go check these movies yeah. out for the first time or if these are all the classics and the stuff you've seen a thousand times, maybe it's time to revisit it. So, yeah. gentlemen, what are your favorite ha ha has?
1: <laughs> nice. Summer,
2: 1988. <laughs> we should do an it. Should, this should be animated. This should be animated. Yeah, go
1: ahead. <laughs> John Candy, to me, was the funniest man, oh, man. on the planet. He was in Splash. I mean, he was just one of those guys, volunteers, stripes. He was just one of those guys that when he walked on screen, you smiled and you started laughing. Mm-hmm. And the first movie that I remember watching with my dad, and my dad has a very kind of infectious laugh. It's like he's trying to hold it back, but it's slowly escaping. It's yeah. sort of like the air being let out of a balloon, um, <laughs> was The Great Outdoors starring I John I can't believe I can't believe you're going great outdoors. I can't believe it. <laughs> the great outdoors. <laughs> Starring John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, and Annette Benning. Oh, yeah. wow.
2: I didn't know Annette Betting was in that, really? Yeah, okay. Net okay. Benning wife.
1: is Dan Aykroyd's oh. wife. And, and isn't Jason, wow. young, is, it, is it a young Jason Bateman or is it a Jason Bateman lookalike? alike it's, it's not it's Jason it, Bateman. It's not Jason Bateman. Wow. It, is an, it is an actor named Chris Young who would then go on to be in an NBC TV movie called Dance Till Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, get into, we'll get into that one another time. <laughs> <laughs> the Great Outdoors is about John Candy's character. I believe his name is Chet Ripley and he just wants to take his take his family up to, up to the woods in this beautiful cabin and his super rich brother-in-law shows up with his wife and their twin daughters who don't speak the whole movie. And it's just these, these two families trying to get along, sharing this enormous cabin. And if wow. you've been on the Universal uh, Studios store backlot at Universal Studios Hollywood, they actually have one of the exteriors out there. I believe it's still up. Um, but this movie... For uh, for a ten year old me, just just hit all the buttons because already I, I like Dan Aykroyd from Ghostbusters, um, I, and just seeing John Candy trying to hold everything together, and there is a classic scene where he ends up water skiing across a lake behind a boat that looks like it should be used for some boating race in Europe. Um, <laughs> it, it is one of the funniest. I, I I remember crying and then looking over at my dad. And he's doing – it's like he's convulsing, trying, trying not to laugh too loudly. The McClungs were very were very, were very, considerate people.
0: Right. I, uh, I will say that every time I go to a restaurant – a steak restaurant where a steak is ordered, uh, I think of John Candy in that movie – Eating that enormous steak. There was one There was one uh, Christmas where I was in, here in, L, in LA in town, and me and our friend Jonathan Gabay, who we've mentioned on the show, but who's been yep. on the show before as a guest, and our friend Sean went downtown. We did the Broad Museum, and then we went to Odium, the restaurant next door, and they had this dinner that you could get during the holidays where basically it, you just paid them $200, and they brought you this giant steak with all these sides. Oh. And it was the biggest. It was the biggest steak that I've ever ordered at any place in my life. And all I could do was talk about great outdoors. And neither of them had seen the movie. And I was ah. talking about how John Candy eats the entire thing, and it's so gross. Like I think, even thinking back to John Candy's face right now, it makes me nauseous. And then he gets done, <laughs> and he's like, "I did it." And they're like, "No, you didn't eat the grizzle." And then he looks at the <laughs> grizzle, and he's like, Woo. <laughs> "He's not done."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dan Eckwood has a great line because Dan Eckwood is actually talking to the chef. <laughs> this big burly guy with a giant truck driver beard. And he's just kind of like, all right, well, I, I think we did. He's like, he's not done. He's like, sure, cool. that last that last bite's gonna take a few minutes to go down, but it's it's gonna go down. And then he, he's like, there's nothing left on that plate but fat and gristle. <laughs> and the chef gives yeah. him a knowing look. <laughs>
0: I, oh I, know that, I know that when I was a kid, there was a ton of movies that I loved and thought were funny. But I also feel like when I was a like, did you have that thing when you were a kid, like, every movie you saw was your new favorite movie? Yes. Like, someone would ask you mm-hmm. what your favorite movie was, and it was just the last one you saw. Uh, but, like, I – and I think we've talked about this before, or I know that I've talked about this on Cinephiles mm-hmm. with Johnny and Steve. Yeah. Um, but I – one of the things that always pops to mind very, very first thing is being a closeted gay guy in high school – and going with a group of friends to see The Birdcage for the first
2: time. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, and, and like, being a little bit nervous, even though, like, in retrospect, like, I was president of Drama Club. Like, I think everyone who I was with was pretty clear that I was gay. But, uh, <laughs> but I um I just remember being a little bit nervous. Like, I didn't want to laugh too hard. I was a little bit whatever. But the movie was so funny and everybody lost it. Like, just, like, that free moment where... A like just seeing a movie like that was filled with gay people when you're a closeted gay kid in Florida is like wow. But then on top of that, like Nathan Lane, Robin Williams, Gene Hackman, Diane Weist, Christine Baranski, like there's just not a Hank Azaria. Like there's not a not funny person in the movie. Like every scene just gets funnier and funnier and better and better and better. And when I was younger, it was Nathan Lane who was my favorite in the movie. And as I've watched this movie over and over and over and over and over and over again through the years. I actually think Gene Hackman is the funniest person in the movie now. Like I think I think that Gene Hackman actually steals the show now. But it's a movie that I always go back to. I revisit. I could like I would watch I could watch Birdcage and then like two weeks later be like it's been a while since I've watched The Birdcage. <laughs> uh, it just ma- it, it literally makes me laugh every time. And of course, I think as we've also talked about either on Cinephiles or Geek Buddies, mm. when I look at uh, Nathan Lane and Robin Williams and their combative yet loving relationship, even though this is a platonic relationship, I just see me and John Stephen Roca. <laughs> <laughs> just... Also, just to be very clear, in the me and John Roca dynamic. He is Nathan Lane. No, I'm, I the, don't Robin know. I I'm the Robin Williams. I think I'm the Robin Williams.
2: I'm the I'm the I'm think, the Robin Williams now. Yeah, you think that's changed? You think
0: uh, you think I'm the dramatic one that has to have someone else calm him down from time I, to time?
2: I, I, from time to time, I think that's fair. From time to time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're very right. I always think about you when I see that scene. Uh, that's a great choice. Absolutely, my, my father loved that movie. My dad had a hard time coming around on the idea of homosexuality uh, but I remember that was one of those films that kind of changed him and turned him around a little bit and then going to see the producers on Broadway he just lost it how much he loved that 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 show and so and of course you Mike of course getting to know you of course but yeah yeah that's a great choice I mean, choice, I mean I actually
0: I, th- I think you I think you bring up a good point though I mean uh, one of the things that I think was really interesting about Bird Cage is just like for me Being a gay kid, people talk a lot about like real world San Francisco and Pedro Zamora as like Mm. one of the first gay people in television that everybody in the world sort of knew because real world was so popular. I think that Birdcage for a lot of people was their first exposure to that amount of gay cult. We're so used to it today with Will and Grace and RuPaul's Drag Race and everything that's out there. But that movie for its time, like we were definitely living in a different time at that point than we are now. And I think you bring up a good point that it was sort of a way that it was so good and it was so funny that everybody could laugh at it, but also because you were laughing and you kind of like really were enjoying these characters, it was a way for a lot of people like your dad to be introduced to gay people and actually not in a way that you have to have an issue with. You were just really enjoying the story. And you kind of got to go on that journey that like sort of Gene Hackman goes on in that film to go from... (laughs) I'm far right to. I'm the ugliest drag queen in the bar, and nobody will dance with me.
2: I love that. He is low. He low key steals the film. You're absolutely
1: right. He does. What? you can't be? You can't be Jewish. What? I feel like I'm going crazy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. He's he's the best. Um, uh, I will say that mine is uh, coming to America. That's my first uh, memory of just laughing uncontrollably self-consciously aware of laughing too much about of uh, in a movie theater rather about a comedy and i remember just sitting there and i mean just it was joke upon, joke upon joke and and there was no bigger eddie murphy fan than me at the time because i'd you know listened to his uh, uh, uh albums of course which are now problematic and he's apologized for uh was, but it was Oh, it was just so funny at that time to listen to that kind of thing. And then, you, of course, Forty Eight Hours, Trading Places, and on uh, Beverly Hills Cop—great stuff. But it, to me, coming to America is his apex in comedy. It is the number one thing I always turn to. Still rewatchable as hell. You had James Earl Jones in there, or a young Arsenio Hall. Uh, you had so yeah yeah the, you had Mortimer and uh, what's his face coming back from Trading Places yeah. as as bombs were just brilliant. Oh.
0: Yeah, Don uh, Amici and, uh, Don, uh, Don Amici yeah, and yeah. Ralph
2: Bellamy. Ralph Bellamy. Yeah, it was great stuff. So, but overall, very funny film with great moments and the different the idea of them playing different characters, right? I had grown up with Jerry Lewis, seeing him in black and white or uh, in color, like in reruns or whatever, shown on Saturday afternoon. But it wasn't until Eddie did it in Coming to America that I got what he was doing. Do you know what I'm saying? In terms of playing the different characters in Nutty Professor seeing and in Family Jewels, but seeing him do it here. Eddie do it here. I just was like, what? And Arsenio as well. By the way, Arsenio doesn't get enough credit for what he creates in that movie because Eddie is so good creating all the characters he does. But they're back and forth in the barber shop. Yeah, and then and then you know when he's the preacher, when Arsenio is the preacher. Oh, I know. Oh, God is good. You know? And then Randy Jackson was sexual chocolate. I mean, just all of it throughout is brilliantly funny. But underneath is this foundation of love. uh, Actually, being in love, not arranged marriage, not being forced situation, like having the free will and independence to choose who to love.
0: Yeah, it's legit a good movie. Yeah, like, 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 like that's the thing is that like, there's a lot of movies that are like this was like Shannon's choice is very funny. Good
2: movie. Uh, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. You've never seen Great Outdoors.
0: We are gonna. I've never seen it. Oh, we are doing a geek buddy, great outdoors viewing, but, uh, no, but coming to America, coming to America is actually, it's legitimately a great, really well-structured, amazing movie. Uh, it's a powerful story. It's got a fucking rock star cast of just black excellence from top to bottom. It's everybody. And yeah, when I was a kid, I legit, uh, memorized the entire barbershop, like every barbershop scene. I knew like line for line for line for line for line. I also, uh, fun fact, in seventh grade, in Lester Jackson's social studies class, no, uh, in Lester Jackson's world history class, somebody brought in the Coming to America VHS tape and left it on the counter. And when Mr. Jackson asked what it was, somebody told him it was a documentary film about Africa. And we put it on and we made it all the way up like, Five minutes into the movie or so when Eddie Murphy is in the bathtub, and yeah! he, like, the naked, the topless woman comes up and says, The royal, and I'll never forget. He had such a distinctive voice. We're all watching it and we're all waiting for him to figure this out. And the woman like rises up and she's like, The royal penis is clean. He's like, Wait a minute, what's going on in here? Like,
1: I will never forget. <laughs> Ooh, good times,
0: good times. At Lincoln Good, 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 good times at Abraham Lincoln Middle School. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll spin back around and go to Bridesmaids. I remember being in the theater. Something more current cool. with Michael and JG, uh, and, and uh, I, I don't know if Shannon was with us as well. But, I think, uh, but no, no, maybe not. Oh, but like, I remember us going to see, and I that poop scene uh, to me signified once and for all that the that there is no distinction between male and female comedy we're all human hey, beings we all go everybody, through this-
1: everybody,
2: everybody poops poops everybody, everybody poops everybody poops and sometimes it comes out like lava depending on what you eat and oh, that whole sequence is i remember I remember Gabe fell to the ground on his knees, covering his eyes, and I yanked him up on the chair and said, no, you have to watch this. You have to watch (laughs) it because it was so incredibly brilliantly funny. And once again, an actual real story about this this possible dissolution of this friendship born out of this jealousy or bitterness uh, and that they had to kind of find their way back to each other. Oh, and there's Melissa McCarthy being introduced to a majority of the world who didn't see Gilmore Girls. Uh, Wendy McClellan, McC- uh, Kobe, who was fantastic and very funny. Uh, uh, the girl from Kimmy Schmidt, her all of it was here. And I mean, the scene in the plane when she's drunk and poor. Oh, my God. I mean, it's just funny from top to bottom. Uh, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that well, movie, and that's one of those ones I come back
1: the, to. The, the specificity of of Kristen Wiig's comedy in that moment, because I mean, there, there are certain SNL characters that I don't necessarily love, but her, her, her when she gets on the the, the PA system, so there is a colonial woman <laughs> on the wing. It's not there's a woman on the wing. It is a colonial. <laughs> <woman>. <laughs>
0: uh. Yeah. When I think when I think of like being out here in LA, uh there's been a lot like to your point cuz that was definitely one. There's been a lot of times and yes, for you guys listening, uh you guys and girls listening to us, um we do tend to be a little dramatic and over the top when we're oh enjoying my something god. in a movie yes. theater. If you can't tell. Uh but the one that always sticks out to me, the one that just just I still to this day remember going to see it at the Grove the night it came out was when yeah. we all went to go see Old School. Oh god. Um <laughs> when we went to go see old school and Will Ferrell in old school, particularly all of them, but Will Ferrell, particularly like streaking, running naked, uh, just through the streets and the snoop, snoop, like just everything about that. Uh, entering the car ass first. Ass first. <laughs> I just, I just remember, uh, like the, the not being able to breathe feeling. And then like uh, yeah. like, it's a, it's a great moment when you're laughing so hard that, like, you know that you know that you think this is funny. You can't breathe, and then you look to your right, and it's John Roca. You look to your left, you look to your right, you look to your left, and it's Shannon McCloud, and like it's all of our friends, and everybody is just uh, equally in that place. Like, I, I think like there's something pretty amazing about. Um, Laughing that hard with your friends. Like when you yeah. are all in that moment where everyone is tickled to that same level. Uh, and old school was one of those times. Bridesmaids absolutely was too, but like but old school is one of those where it was just like, This is I can't stop laughing.
2: That might have been our only successful dude night. And by that I mean we saw a good movie and went out to drink. I don't know if we've ever had a successful dude night. Well,
1: that was, was the that hangover. Night. That was the hangover. Oh, the hangover. Yes. Yeah. The hangover. Which that's actually damn funny, too. The hangover, I mean, the, the hangover holds up. Oh. I mean, just the moment where Mike Tyson slugs oh. that dog, guess, oh my God. And Ed Helms response is, he's still got
2: it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. When he goes down, it's like. just like He's stiff <laughs> <laughs> before he hits the ground, man.
1: See, one uh, that I, spring 2007 for it was all, like, I think spring 2007 does not get enough love because... By the way,
0: oh. I like way, I like that this week you're the Estelle Getty of the Geek Buddies. Like, <laughs> picture it, spring oh. 2007.
1: <laughs> well, I bring up spring 2007 because we got three, and this is before spring started to become, like, like kind of a, 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 a valued release date for films. But I remember we all went and saw 300, and, you know, we all left the theater... Pushing, pushing each other, wanting to beat up on each other. We saw Blades of Glory, which again, very, very funny. I and, like them. And we saw Hot Fuzz, oh, and yeah. and amongst all those movies, Hot Fuzz was the one that I knew the least about because I had seen Shaun of the Dead, but I wasn't a zombie movie guy. I'm like, I don't know. It gets kind of gets kind of serious at times. Yeah. But then watching Hot Fuzz, watching this riff off of <laughs> '90s action movies, that was one of the best times I had in the theater because the the Michael Bay of the whole movie enjoying the joke, but also enjoying the filmmaking and also enjoying the story because it's a really tight, it's a really tight, well-told story. I mean- the was it nick frost the moment where he says the 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 one that i think is patty considine says something about you know something you and your monkey and then he's standing there and he holds up a plush monkey he's like <laughs> what, did he mean me or that <laughs> <laughs> we watched we watched hot fuzz not too long ago like like mm-hmm. about a month ago
0: yeah yeah uh the other one that
1: really always comes to mind and it is like
0: i mean it's one of my favorite It's one of my favorite funny animated films, but uh, I remember asking John uh, Mm. and our friend Sarah to come with me to the Burbank AMC because they were having a sneak preview of this new Disney movie, Emperor's New Groove. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, that I wasn't really sure if it was going to be good or not. I was sort of like apologetic in advance. I was like, I don't know (laughs) if this is going to be good. Like, I don't really know a lot about it, but I mean, I want to go see it. And there's a sneak preview and they're like, yeah, we'll go see the movie. And we went to go see it and it was like the three of us and like a bunch of families and kids because it was like a sneak preview. And I think that like, we got a lot of looks from the moms because we were laughing (laughs) so hard um, because Emperor's New Groove is so funny. Uh, Like fun fact, it wasn't supposed to be like, it was actually originally a movie called Kingdom of the Sun and it was being developed to be this like big like Lion King uh Aladdin level uh adventure yeah. movie and they could never get it right and they kept developing it and developing it and developing it and eventually like when they couldn't figure it out they just zigged at the last second and said let's go full Looney Tunes and yeah. we got emperor's new Groove which I think is one of the funniest uh Disney oh, yeah. animated films by a mile
2: squeak it a squeak 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 there it is babe. yeah yeah <laughs> That came up as a five pointer in one of uh, the recent Schmodown matches. It was. Did it? What was the what, question? What, the quote was, it was a uh, uh, what Disney animated film from the 2000s? Is it 2000s? Yeah, 2000s, yeah. right? Uh, has the line, uh, it says something about a trampoline, you know, with the trampoline line, right? Because he keeps throwing the old guy out the window and stuff. Yeah. So was, if you didn't want to order the trampoline or whatever the yeah. line is, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember the exact line,
0: but yes, it's mm-hmm. like, he, yeah, yeah, I, I remember the line that you're talking, that you speak of.
2: Yeah, the giant trampoline line, right? Yeah, that's what it is. Did you yeah. get it? And no, I, it was my opponent. Oh. My opponent who uh, didn't get it. it. was Ethan. He didn't get the line. Would you yeah, have gotten the last it? time, we did not order a giant trampoline. There it <laughs> is. Why did you just, you could have told me that before I set it up. And so <laughs> th- th- I remember that scene in the movie. <laughs> The last time, uh, but um, yeah, well, I, I, uh, are there any, uh, is there any guilty pleasures that you guys, are, I mean, uh, oh, wait, I I got to throw in Tommy boy. I got to throw in Tommy boy. That was like the last year or two of college. I remember Marnie and I, Mar, our friend, Marnie Wadner, uh, we, we lived together for about a semester or a year at, at, uh, at Florida state. I mean, that's our quote film. That's always the one we go back to even 20 years later. Uh, well, whenever we get together or whenever we talk on the phone, there's always a fun little, did I hear a niner in there? Did I, Oh, I can actually hear you getting fatter. Uh, you know, all of that throughout the scene where spades hair goes back and uh, out of nowhere is like, he's got this bald spot, you know, and, um, I still go, um, I still go once, uh, you know, I visited a prostitute once in the, in the middle of the war and my life's been a living hell ever since. <laughs> Because the uh, the old lady's like that's when the prostitutes come in shaking their hot pants, and, and Spade's like, yeah, I kind of like her idea. I, I do. like it. Makes
0: idea. me it makes me sad. Like uh, David Spade again. I love him in *Emperor's New Groove*, but like not yep. necessarily my favorite of the comedic actors. But, um, Fair. but I will say that like Tommy Boy particularly like you just think about mm. had Chris Farley not uh, been taken from us too early, like the uh, right. the 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 Farley Spade dynamic oh, was a yeah. winning dynamic like yeah. that with Tommy I Boy really agree. Tommy Boy I'm trying to think if there's any like guilty like movies that I'm like I think this is really funny and great but like well, with Tommy
1: does, Boy, I- let, me, let me let me add one more thing with Tommy yeah. Boy you have a fantastic comedic villain performance with Rob Lowe
2: oh yeah yeah totally, totally. He, yeah when
1: he, when he steps off the bus and there's a kid in the window making faces and he no look smacks the window Can <laughs> <laughs> <Well, laughs> you see
0: this take kid out <laughs> it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, that, cause that was long before, like, that, like, now we all know that Rob Lowe is, is an amazing comedic actor because of Parks and Rec, but that right. was long before right. Parks and right. Rec. So, like, that was, like, him being that funny was actually a surprise. Yeah. The, I would yeah. say, we're West Wing too, right? Yeah. Huh? It was, yeah. A, I think so. Yeah. I'll say, I, this isn't really a guilty pleasure because so many people do love this movie, but kind of along the coming to America being a great movie and Great Outdoors being not a great movie. I, do not think Billy Madison is a great movie, but Billy Madison to this day I think is the best Adam Sandler movie ever made. It makes what? me laugh. What? I I know he has better movies. I know Wedding Singer is like I know that there's better yeah. things. Nothing makes me laugh. Okay. Not, Fifty First Dates is again. Fifty yeah. First Dates. Uh, what's the movie Big where Daddy. he's Daddy. Reason, the kid? Big Daddy. Big like Daddy. I, think 50, I think Fifty First Dates. Big Daddy. Uh, even Happy uh, Happy Gilmore, um, uh, Wedding Crashers—they are all better movies. Yeah. They are they are well constructed. There is a nice arc. They have heart to them. There's actual characters. Like they are better movies. Yeah. I don't think any of them are as funny as Billy Madison. Billy <laughs> Madison is so stupid. It is so it is dumb. But oh my god, so many lines that just make me laugh. Yeah. To this day, I will still just be walking down the street with some friends, and I'll be like, "That Veronica Vaughn is one piece of ice." I know from experience.
2: No, no, you don't. No, you don't. Nope, nope. No. No, no, no,
0: no, no. But I had a friend, and him and her nope. got
2: it. No, no, nope. no. You didn't. No, you didn't. Oh, <laughs> you <don't get> it. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's. It's Billy Madison is so like, that's, that's like my, that's like my distinction. Like, like there's like, there's movies that are funny and are actually great, well-written, well-constructed movies. And then there's movies that you're like, thank God you are this batshit crazy and funny because this is dumb. Yeah. This is dumb. Bradley I, I, Whitford. Speaking of, oh yes, yeah. Bradley
1: Whitford as the bad guy in that movie. Another West Wing alum. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> so, do you prefer yeah. Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison?
2: I prefer neither one of them. <laughs> to oh, be wow. honest with you, I'm not. I, I'm more of the later Sandler stuff. Although I enjoy him, I'm more of the later Sandler stuff. I like Fifty First Dates and Wedding Singer and uh, uh, the other, and Billy Matt and oh, no, Big Daddy. Those are my those are my Sandler I, films. I like them.
0: I legit did, uh, I went out on a date with a guy and he was very nice, but was not going to be a thing. And yeah. I was trying to let him down easy. And I literally did say, and it's nice. I was like, I was like, ugh, I just feel like no chocolate milk is ever going to be our chocolate milk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> that's good. That, is,
0: that is how much, that is how much I quote Billy Madison. Like that yeah, is, that's fair. Like, it's, it's a problem.
2: I, I will say that my, one of my guilty pleasures that I turn to all the time. Weekend at Bernie's. I mean, there's just it's. I when I was working, uh, a, a, I remember 18, 19 years old, and when I was my first trip through college before I joined the military. I remember I had to work a, a, a side job just to pay for college and whatever. I was I was uh, assisting managing a video store, so I had to be there like 30 hours a week. You know, I put on. I hated the job so much, but I put on weekend at Bernie's and have it on rotation maybe three out of the four days of the week that i work there just on rotation because i could not get enough at how funny that film is manos de pietro richard like all of it throughout just has me laughing maybe the last time i found jonathan silverman interesting uh it was really just one of these funny films bernie bernie the whole bernie thing was brilliant and i had a thing for Catherine marie stewart i think that's her name who's the lead in the movie she's a, that's an 80 80s gorgeous woman for a guy who's a teenager that, uh, or or early early 20 and you're just looking at her going I, I wish i could get with a woman like that a girl like that that is
0: that is definitely a movie that only gets made in the 80s
2: yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. a thousand
0: percent a thousand like percent. like will you like the 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 coke-fueled pitch meeting for that movie. <laughs> All right. These two guys, they want to have a good weekend in the Hamptons, uh, but they're they are going out there to work with their boss, but the boss is dead, but they really want to party. So they just like pretend he's not dead, but it gets crazy. So they got to tie him up and like make him walk. And then there's a guy who wants to kill him, but <laughs> he thinks he's a lot. Like, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and but, then he has sex. And then he has sex while he's dead. He says it, <laughs> it is. It is straight up. 80, 80s ridiculousness. Like that yeah. movie just doesn't even get made today. It's so stupid. But
2: uh <laughs> it's such a guilty pleasure. I love But it. it is.
0: It is that is that is a good guilty. You know what? I'll say I, this. This isn't I, a guilty pleasure. It's oh, oh, okay, I, I, was, I, is,
2: can I put a button on this yeah. real quick. Uh uh the enduring nature of that comedy played itself out about a month ago. In, at Major League Baseball. Oh, I saw. I saw. Someone bought – because you can buy the cardboard. Someone bought a cardboard <laughs> out of Bernie and put it there for them in, in the Dodgers stadium. And I thought that – the film endures. The film endures. Uh,
0: really quickly, uh, sure. like I know we're running out of time, but like yeah. here's the one that I thought was really funny. When I was a kid, I loved this movie. Okay. But I didn't really think of it as a comedy. I thought of it as just an awesome action movie. And then, as I got older, I watched it again, and I was like, "Oh, I was dumb. This is hilarious." Yeah. Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> as a kid, I didn't get that they were kind of making fun of anything, or kind of taking, like, basically taking John Wayne and putting him in a kung fu. Like, I didn't yeah. get, I didn't get the joke. I was like, <laughs> "Jack Burton's awesome. This is, great. <laughs> this is a great movie." And then you get older, and you're like. This might be one of Kurt Russell's funniest performances.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was the name of this truck? Was it the Pork Chop Express? Pork Chop Ex- Express.
2: <laughs> yeah, man, that's a good one. I know that's a good. That's one I came to later on in life, but I thought it was it's a funny one as well. um I will I will say one experience we had that was really real quick is uh, uh when Sarah Copperthwaite, Michael Vogel, and I went to see the Heat. Uh, and there's I was that- going to bring
0: it up. I was going to bring it up. <laughs>
2: There and by the way, I watched it again the other day, ran it because it was on randomly on TNT or something. I uh, that movie, for whatever reason, I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly love that movie and laugh every time. Spy, too, I like Spy as well. Spy is great. Spy's funny. Um, there's this, you know, the, when Jason State that whole Jason Statham storyline with him and her, brilliant. But there's a scene in the heat where <laughs> it's an hour and 10, hour and 15 into the movie, uh, and they've kind of messed something up. And the two guys who are uh, kind of going against them, it's uh, Taron Killam. I think that's his name. uh, And the dude who plays the evil uh, uh, congressman in Veep, uh, he is an albino in the movie. For absolutely no fucking reason at all, he's an albino in the movie. And I think he's only in the albino in the movie just for this one line, which is when uh, they're all standing around, Damian Bashir and all them are standing around, and he is yelling at them. Uh, the The actor uh, who's the albino is yelling at uh, Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock, and he's getting high pitched. And <laughs> Melissa McCarthy just stops the conversation and says, "Are you all right? You look a little pale." And I. Absolutely fucking lost it. I who knew I had a button for albino humor.
0: It, I will say, I will say wow. this is, and I, I distinctly remember this moment oh. as John said, it was me and John and our friend Sarah sitting in the oh. theater because we all three have always been Sandra Bullock fans yes. and we're all yes. Melissa McCarthy fans. Uh, when that, when this line happens that John is talking about, just so everybody gets this picture, he he rocked for, it wasn't a very packed theater. Like we saw it on like a weeknight. It was, it was. It was not very full. Uh, so we had the whole row to ourselves. And she says, are you all right? You look a little pale. And John Roca, the outlaw, rocks forward, rocks back, rocks forward so hard that he comes out of his seat, yeah. stands up in yeah. the theater, runs to the end of the aisle, holds his hands up. Runs back, sits down, and continues laughing. That's how much <laughs> he thought that was funny. That, that was how good that line was. That was. Here's the thing about The Heat. Here's the thing about The Heat, and I, I almost brought it up when we were talking about Bridesmaids, and I was oh. like, oh, I'll, I'll save it. But since you bring it up, yeah, yeah. Melissa McCarthy at this point, like because of Bridesmaids, because like Melissa, you, Melissa McCarthy, you knew you were going to go see her, and she was going to be funny. Yeah. And yeah. you think you're going to go see this movie where she's the comic, And Sandra Bullock is sort of the straight woman. Good point. Sandra Bullock is just as funny, if not funnier, than Melissa McCarthy in that movie. The two of them are so funny together. And Sandra Bullock's performance, like I think people forget that Sandra Bullock is just fucking hilarious. Like when she's going for comedy, she goes all the way. And the two of them together in that movie, ah, fuck, I might watch The Heat tonight. That might be the winner (laughs) for me of all of this conversation, all these great movies, I'm like, oh, that is a good one. Oh, I'm fond of that. And now I'm like, I think I might have to watch The Heat.
2: I mean, her crawling in the hospital with the leg, with the wound in her leg, trying to be cool. I mean, just all of it. Or no, no, they've, she's been stabbed with the needle yeah. or whatever. Oh my God, it's just so funny. Just oh God, top to bottom is very. very Guys, funny. I
0: think I think the Heat, the Heat might might be the uh, <laughs> it the dark worked. horse. The heat might be the dark horse winner for me today on the Geek Buddies. I'm really,
2: I'm really uh, tickled by this right now. Yeah, you know, you know what? A few, a few months ago, when we were doing the show, you guys talked about going back to the theater, and I was like, "Oh, I'd be cool either way." He listened to this conversation now. It's like, yeah, we we got to get back in those theaters, man. I mean, there's something about a comedy, more than a drama, I think, more than an epic. There's something about being in a room uh, with other people laughing. About something you're watching on the screen together is oh. a communal experience that is so essential to our humanity. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think bringing this back around, I think you're absolutely right. I think that what I miss more, I think what we all miss right now in 2020, and in big ways and small ways, I've had a lot of conversations with yeah. other writers and actors and other things about this yeah. light out here, is like that we all have fears and anxieties and things that we worry about on a daily basis, whether it's relationships or career or finances or whatever, like we all have things we worry about and that ability to go be around other people. And whether that is meeting with some friends for a drink uh, or going to a nice restaurant or going and sitting in a dark movie theater with your friends and that communal experience that whether that hits in the, Portal scene at the end of Avengers Endgame way where everybody is screaming and cheering and you're like we are all yeah. in this together, port- or in this sort of like really great comedy way where something ha- where Will Ferrell backs into a car butt ass naked, <laughs> or 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 you know a bunch of women eat some bad Mexican food and <laughs> have some really bad shit, uh, like whatever the moment is that that thing where everyone is together, yeah. I think that is what everyone is missing right now. And I think that's why it's fun to sort of revisit these comedic moments because where you can like, I've done this, it's not ideal, but I've gotten on zoom and like watched a movie with other people where we all started at the same, like I've done that stuff, which doesn't come close to emulating that experience. But like, that is why I'm excited
2: to at some point safely go back to movie theaters. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, I hope us uh, revisiting these comedies kind of made you laugh, picked up your spirits. I know some of you are screaming, what about Anchorman? What about this? What about that? We get it. But, you know, it's, the conversation goes where it goes. And these are the things we wanted to talk about that kind of pick up our spirits or the ones we turn to uh, when we just need to laugh. And so hopefully we made you all laugh while you were listening to at least that section of the show. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us here on The Geek Buddy. Shannon, what can we tell them?
1: Yeah. If you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon, the geek buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MK tune. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at the Roca says, and the great outdoors is on Amazon prime.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fine. Fine. Um, Mikey. Huh, well, listen,
1: uh,
0: <laughs> if you need a good laugh, uh, here's what you can do You can keep watching the Geek Buddies um, I don't know I got nothing I got nothing on this front I thought I had it I didn't have it I, uh, I do That's not right. have the Comic genius of some of the people that we discussed Today um, <laughs> but uh, if you Have enjoyed the conversation if you want to keep things Going here's a couple things that you can do That would really help us out uh, You can hit the like button below uh, always Awesome the more likes the better uh, you can Leave a comment below um, we really enjoy Kind of interacting with you guys, seeing what you think What are some of your favorite movie moments What are the things that made you laugh the hardest um, And if you are listening to us And not watching us on the YouTube page First of all, come visit us on the YouTube page See what we to look like in uh, In a uh in not real life, but in uh, in screen life. Um, or if you are just listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, definitely like rate us there, give us some stars, leave some comments. The more we go up in the rankings, the more people find us. And the most important thing that you guys can do is share this video, uh, tell your friends, post it on Twitter, post it on Facebook, tell your friends that if they love movies, if they love talking geeky stuff, if they love to talk the latest news in all of your favorite big brands, Geek Buddies is a place to do it and have them come and join the fun.
2: Yeah, absolutely, great stuff. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. A lot of fun always uh, uh, talking about all this stuff. And let us know what you thought, as Mikey says, in the comments, or or, uh, or uh, let us know, uh, tweet at us, and uh, and let us know what you thought. And I'm sure some of you be like, "Why'd you leave off this comedy?" So we appreciate that, but that's that's life. All right, thanks everybody for watching uh, this episode of the Geek, Geek. Buddies.
1: Hey.